think it goes uh, without saying and speaking for everyone that I appreciate the singing and the music of our young people. They, uh, believe it or not, they don't just get up and start singing. <laughs> There's a lot of practice in what they do, a lot of time. I know uh, firsthand the time that my wife puts into practicing piano and playing and preparing and uh, there's a lot that goes into it. You just don't show up and play an instrument and sing a song. And uh, we got a lot of uh, a lot of young people that are willing to sing for the Lord, and I appreciate that. And uh, it's a blessing to me. And uh, I don't want to take it for granted. <laughs> a lot of young people are filled in churches that are uh, uh, more of a concert type showing. And I'm glad we got young people that are willing to sing, not look like they're trying to swallow the microphone. <laughs> um, I appreciate July the 3rd, but July the 1st is an unofficial holiday for our family. Uh, June, it, we call it the June is over holiday. <laughs> uh, thank God June is over with. <laughs> uh, and uh, they're coming for our kids, folks. Yep, they're coming for them. And uh, uh, you better stay close to the Lord because they're coming. We need the Lord. All right, uh, Genesis 45 is where we're going to be tonight. Uh, Genesis 45. And uh, in honor of God's word, if you would mind to stand with me as we read a few verses and uh, begin reading in verse number one, we'll stop in verse number three. The Bible says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known to his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. I just want to preach a thought to you tonight uh, called, uh, How Did Joseph Keep Going? How did Joseph keep going? Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we um, come before you this evening, just want to uh, take time to uh, uh, tell you we love you, and uh, Lord, obviously these folks do, they wouldn't be here, and uh, Lord, we um, just desire for you to come and meet with us, and uh, Lord, we need your presence. Uh, Lord, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down, and God, uh, I recognize my own estate and in this world is um, glorified dust and dirt, and the Lord, you gave me new life, and Lord, I desire to glorify you, and pray you'd hide me behind the cross, and Lord, uh, I consider that I'll give an account for every idle word that I speak, and may nothing be said that would be contrary to the truth, and only to edify your people and be an encouragement to them, and uh, God, I pray that you would uh, uh, cleanse this place by your blood, and may you sanctify it. And uh, God, challenge us to do better for you and be strong. And uh, Lord, we just uh, thank you for this book and the words that you've given us and, Lord, the truths that are found in it. And I pray that tonight you might remove the scales from our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in Genesis number 45. And uh, one of the paramount passages in the entire Word of God and uh, me personally, I, I thoroughly enjoy reading through Genesis and particularly in the book of Genesis through Joseph's life. And I, it never ceases to amaze me how um, 
just Joseph's character throughout all the things that Joseph went through in his life. And uh, you read other great men in the Bible, and although they did great things, God also seemed to expose a lot of their faults, too, so that we might learn from them. And uh, the world never does it that way. The world takes the most vile people and talks them up like they're heroes, and God takes even the best of men and does the opposite. Why? Because he shows that our men at his best uh, state is altogether vanity. And, uh, and Joseph, in the Bible, uh, you've got uh, uh, just passage after passage where Joseph went through some stuff, some stuff that I certainly wouldn't want to volunteer for. And uh, still yet, Joseph just seemed to maintain a good attitude throughout it all. And I, I, it never ceases to amaze me of... You go out, you witness to folks today, and you hear people say, well, if there was a God, why would such and such happen to me? And, and still yet, I know some saints that have been through an awful lot, and they, they're the sweetest people you'd ever meet. And they love the Lord, and they've grown. So what is it that makes the difference? For some people, the difference is, is uh, it, what, the things that come into their life that makes them grow bitter. In the things that come into other people's lives, they become better. And the question really is, is which one are you going to be? Because you're going to be one of the two for sure. And Joseph uh, had been through uh, a lot of different events in his life. One time, uh, he had uh, Pharaoh's, wi- uh, Pharaoh's wife that lied about him and accused him of uh, something that he didn't do. And we're going to look at a couple things, and I want, to, I want you to consider while we're going through this is what was it that kept Joseph going? You know, what? eventually something's going to come down your, your pike that might derail you, and if that's not true, these pews would be more full. You know, it, say you're not going through the biggest trial of your life right now. It's coming. You know, there's always something that comes down people's lives that gets them off track of their walk with the Lord. And everybody has a good excuse. You know, we could, we could uh, feel the, fill the annals of world history with good excuses. And some people have good excuses. Some people sitting here tonight, uh, if they were not in church, and I said, why aren't you in church? And they gave me the things that they've been through. And, and I would say, you know what, you gotta, by, by my, uh, my, my estimation, you have a really good excuse. But Joseph kept going. What was it that kept him going? I think the answer is found in verse number 3. Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Now in type, to get the doctrine first, Joseph is obviously a picture of Jesus Christ here. And he reveals himself to his brothers. And his brothers didn't recognize him. Uh, They had dealt with him and... Joseph had accused his brothers of doing wrong, and of course Joseph knew that, uh, if, you know the story where uh, Joseph had a, a, a cup put in his, uh, the youngest brother Benjamin's sack, and he would, knowing that he did it, he accused them of uh, being spies, and they denied it and denied it, and all the time he's just pressing, you're, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. And you know what, that's how the Lord deals with lost people. You know, all the time, God's pleading with people, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. And all the time, man says, well, I'm a good person. I'm, you know, I go to church, or I do something good, or I give money, or I'm, I, you know, compared to Joe, I'm a pretty good fella. And all the time, God just keeps pushing, you're guilty, you're guilty. 
You know, it's, sometimes it's hard to come to those terms. You know, we all uh, say, well, we're all sinners, you know, in a general sense. But saying that you yourself are a sinner under the condemnation of God's a, a whole other ballgame, coming to that, that ground. And Joseph uh, gets, uh, gets, tells his brothers they're guilty, and uh, Jesus Christ reveals himself to his brother. Just like present-day Israel, they're blind to who Jesus Christ is. The, their scales are covered over their eyes. They don't see Jesus Christ for who he is, the Messiah. And one day, and I believe with all my heart very soon, that Jesus Christ is going to part the eastern sky and he's going to come back. And the Bible says in, in the book of Romans that all Israel shall be saved. That's what's coming. And notice Joseph says, I am. That sounds familiar. When God, first word out of his mouth, he said, I am Joseph. You know, when Moses disputed with the Lord, he said, uh, uh, who am I supposed to say has sent me? And he said, tell him, I am has sent me unto you. Jesus Christ in the New Testament, uh, he says, uh, uh, they asked, uh, uh, whom seek ye? And, he, and they, uh, Jesus asked him, he said, whom seek ye? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And they all, went, they all got knocked down. There's that power in the I am. He says, I am Joseph. And he says, doth my father yet live? You know, I can imagine, like, I, I, uh, I like surprising my kids. I enjoy that. I enjoy the buildup and the lead-up to it. I like uh, uh, my son's birth, Micah's birthday's in uh, uh, next Tuesday. And uh, I've already got his gift, and I've been hinting to him, you know, like, I can't wait to give you your gift. You know, there's an anticipation for me because I love him that I want to reveal to him what I've gotten him. And I think he'll enjoy it. And I'm just rubbing it in right now. <laughs> but he'll enjoy it. And, uh, and here Joseph, he reveals him. What, what was it that kept Joseph going? And, you, you know, sometimes it's almost that excitement when you get to show somebody like uh, and reveal to them something. And the first thing out of Joseph's mouth was, Doth my father yet live? You know, all the time, the Bible never comes out plainly and says it. But I think all those times that after Joseph's brother sold him into slavery, and he was in prison, and he was in the pit, and lost all of his family members, and he had lost everybody that he, care, that he, that he cared about and cared about him, and that he was lied about by Pharaoh's wife, and all the things that Joseph went through. And you know what I think in the back story behind, in all the passage, what kept Joseph going is, I want to see my dad. I want to see my dad. You know what the difference is in the Christian life for you? is keeping your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why some Christians keep going when trials come in their life? is because they're thinking, I'm going to face him one day. And I'm going to behold my Savior. Some of them think, well, this isn't fair. And you know what? They get off track. When the Christian life, which one are you going to be? Because you're going to be one of the two. You're going to keep your eyes on the fact that you're going to stand before God one day? The Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us. You're going to see your Savior. <laughs> it won't be faith anymore. We walk by faith and not by sight today, but one day you're going to see his, hand, his wounds in his hands and in his feet. And it's going to be reality. 
Would you look back in the history of your life and say, man, I really wish I would have kept going at this point in my life. I really wish I would have kept my eyes on seeing my father when this came into my life. You know, a lot of young people, they come up to points in their life where it's decision time. And that decision time comes and they're only thinking here and now. They're not thinking about, I'm going to meet my father one day. You know what happens is they get off the rails. That's why our churches aren't full. Something's going to come into your life. Maybe not today. Maybe you've just went through it, but maybe it's coming. Is your focus in the back of your mind going to be, I'm going to meet my father one day? You're going to stand before him. Look in, uh, look in ver- uh, let's look at the first one. Look in uh, Genesis 37. Genesis 37. Of course, uh, Joseph goes to his brothers here, and he tells them I, I, he's had a dream. <laughs> Genesis 37 and verse number 8, and he says, And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? And you've got a little pride there, brothers. Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams. And notice this, and for his words. You know why some people resent Jesus Christ? They hate his words. They don't like his words. Sad to say, even Joseph's own family, (laughs) I would go as far as to say, hate him for his words. You know, there's some words in this book that you don't like. (laughs) There's some words in this book that I don't like. If you don't say so, you're dishonest or you don't spend enough time in it. Because there's some stuff that I come across in this book and I think, ooh, I don't like that. There's passages in the Bible that, to even consider that the Bible says that we'll give an account of every idle word that we speak, every one of them. That's tough to consider, folks. Every word that comes out of your mouth, you're going to give an account for. I don't like that. You know, um, one time I was witnessing uh, at the Beer Cheese Festival a couple years before the pandemic, and this guy, uh, I, I was just standing on the street corner, Ethan was with me, and um, was uh, just preaching to people as they would pass by and uh, just trying to give the gospel out to people and, and other people would sit across the street corner and they would listen and they would, they would try to act like they weren't really listening but they were, they were parked there for a while and uh, they, were, they were listening and one guy comes up to me with a beer in his hand and starts telling me about a, a, a church that he goes to in, in, uh, in the area and uh, he, was, uh, he, never was, he wasn't saved. And, you know, he would talk to me, and, and I tried to witness to him the best I could. And, you know, he's just sitting there taking a taking, – I didn't even say a word about his beer. I didn't, that, that's not the man's problem. The man needs to be saved. If, if he could get saved, then he'd realize what's wrong with his beer. I didn't say a word about his – I didn't say, you drunkard. Listen, he needs the gospel. And so when I, when I witnessed to the guy, and I started talking to him, I said, well, let me show you what the Bible says. He goes, no, don't open that. You mean to tell me that this, it, bothered this, it did not bother this man to walk around with a beer in his hand? didn't bother him for that. But if a preacher stands there and opens up the word of God to him, don't want to be seen with that thing. You know why? Because just like Joseph's brothers, that he had hated him for his words. These words contain that man's eternal condemnation. I wouldn't like that either if I were in that condition. 
you know, the Lord would have to really put you in a spot to where you got to come to those terms. You know, you open up this book and it, and it reads your title. What's your attitude when the scripture is presented to you? If you come across the word of God and something crosses you, where do you go? Do you buck up against it or do you resent Joseph for his words? You know, a lot of Christians, they, they get mad at the Lord right there because they don't, God tells them to do something that they don't want to do. And you know what? They get off track and they just decide, well, I'm not going to do that. Okay, the Lord's not going to twist your arm, but it's going to cost you. It'll cost you. The Bible says, talking about the judgment seat of Christ, he says that you must strive lawfully. You're only going to win the crown if you strive lawfully. And in the Christian life, it's commonplace for folks to try to take shortcuts. You know, we're all Christians in here, but, you know, we step foot outside and you don't want to stick your neck out. It'll make you, it'll cost you something. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. You know what that is implied there? It's if you buy something, it'll cost you something. And if you're going to carry the truth to the lost around you, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you. Look in uh, uh, chapter 37 and verse number uh, uh, 28. The Bible says in uh, 28, he says, there, uh, 37, 28, there passed by, then there passed by the Midianites, merchantmen, they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was in the pit, was not in the pit. And he rent his clothes, and he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found, and know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt written pieces. You know, when they brought that coat to his dad, of course he knew whose coat that was. He knew exactly whose coat that was. You know, uh, he was lied about. You ever been lied about? You ever been lied about? I've been lied about. <laughs> I've been lied about. You know, when I, uh, th- there's been times when I was in, in, uh, uh, in my life where somebody accused me of something I didn't do, and I'd, somebody brought the accusation to me, and I laughed at it. I thought they were joking. And I realized they weren't, and then I had to confront it. And I like, look, if I'm guilty, you know, examine me. And, of course, there wasn't. There, but I guarantee you've been lied about in your life before. You know, how do you respond to it? I, I know how a lot of Christians, they want to get them. We want our natural response is to return the favor, right? Somebody lies about you, it's we want to respond back in self-defense. You know, we want to get back at that person. But, you know, Jesus Christ didn't respond that way. You know, Jesus Christ was falsely accused time after time after time. Those those religious folks that accused him of all sorts of things and and still yet, Jesus Christ had went to the cross for those same people that lied about him. You know, that's not easy to do. You know, to love people that don't love you back? To carry a cross for, some, for the sake of somebody else that doesn't show you the same favor? You know, that's not easy to do. You know, look in uh, Genesis number 39, in verse, verse number 7. It says, And it came to pass after these things that his 
master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. Now, as a side note, that's a good reason why uh, young men ought never get in a position that they can even be accused. Uh, young people, you shouldn't be alone by yourself in places or without a supervisor. You say, well, well, you're just old fat. Well, <laughs> you know, Joseph put himself in a spot, uh, whether it's his fault or not, whether he did it or not, he was accused of. You know, sometimes it's just best to be above board. You know, don't put yourself in a spot where even an accusation can be brought against you because somebody else can come along and say, that's not so. You know, one time I had a, had a person, I'm not going to say who, but I had a person that had, uh, when I was a brand new Christian, that had brought an accusation to me on, uh, actually on pastor. You know what, I, uh, looking back, all it was just the devil trying to derail me in my Christian life. And I was a brand new Christian and, and uh, just started in Bible college and I would try to witness to people throughout my day and a guy brought up uh, uh, some things and, and I just I stopped him. I said, listen, the Bible says receive not an accusation but before two or three witnesses and it's just me and you standing here and I'm not going to listen to it. Now, I didn't know if it was true or not. I didn't care. It doesn't matter if it was true or not. All I knew is the principle that if somebody brings an accusation, there's supposed to be more than one witness. And the guy got mad. He got mad. He'd been a Christian a long time. And the fellow uh, continued to press on toward me about, oh, this is true and this is true. And I said, listen, I don't know if it's true or not, but I can tell you this, that I'm, you're causing me to sin by listening to you, and I'm not going to do it. And I'll tell you another thing is that I grew up in this town for 18 years, and nobody ever gave me the gospel until I was 18 years old except for that man. And so I don't want to hear what you got to say. I would, have went to, I would have died and went to hell if the gospel was relying on you. And you know what? He shut up. You know what? I, I thought after, after and I, I kind of laughed as I walked away. I didn't even tell him for about three years. I didn't want to, I didn't want to worry him about that stuff. You know, I, I was uh, uh, a brand-new Christian. I thought, I didn't even know I knew that verse at the time. <laughs> I was just where the, I was reading, and the Lord gives you the scripture you need at the time. And uh, uh, through, the, through that, I, I thought, you know, just about the passage where uh, the, they were accusing Jesus Christ of the blind man. He goes, whether he is a sinner or no, I don't know, but I know I used to be, able to, I used to be blind, and now I see. Amen. And then later on, will you also be his disciples? <laughs> That's one of my favorite verses of scripture. Will you also be his disciples? He, he didn't even realize the slap that he gave them. You know, you're going, to be, you're going to be tempted to sin, and you're going to be lied about. And Jesus Christ was tempted in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 4, and really the question is, is how are you going to respond when temptation comes? You know, Joseph was tempted, and he fled. Joseph fled. You know what we like to do is we like to get in our own little world, and you know what the devil's done a real good job of is He's enabled us to live a private life that we can live our and enjoy our sin when nobody else knows about it. And that's what this thing is. It's, out of, it's sin at your fingertips. You better put some guards up on it. You better be careful. Because this thing can wreck your relationship with God. It doesn't look like much. 
but it can wreck your relationship with God. Is it any coincidence that the logo is a one bite out of an apple? Or maybe it's an iPhone, kind of like Satan said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will do this. Folks, the, there's going to be temptations. You know, Joseph was a, a good man, and he handled these things well, but, you know, one thing he maybe could have done, looking back, is he could have put him, not allowed himself to be put in a spot where he could have been accused. You know what? That's a safe practice for young people. You know what I know about, about young people? When they, when they get boundaries, some of them don't like those boundaries, and that should say something. You know, when, when my wife and I were courting, we never put ourselves in a spot where we could be tempted to do something that was not right outside of the bounds of marriage. We would always put ourselves in places where there were people around. You say, well, that's old-fashioned. Well, <laughs> you trust your flesh. <laughs> maybe, maybe you do a little bit too much. You know, and that's where a lot of people get in trouble. You know, don't, uh, don't, get, don't get caught in that sin. You know, with, uh, with David, you know, he was by himself. He, he secluded himself and saw Bathsheba. He got alone. You know, a lot of Christians get, the devil will put a Christian to a spot where they got to make a choice, and, and it's easy to give in to sin if nobody else is around you. You don't have that positive peer pressure. Look in... Uh, uh, Genesis 45. You know, the world puts enough pressure on young people and on us to live wrong. How about we put enough pressure on each other to do what's right? (laughs) How about that? Genesis 45, verse number 20. He says, And the lean and the the ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. Actually, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter, I'm sorry. He says, Also regard not your stuff. For the good of the land of Egypt is yours. And the children of Israel did so, and Jesus gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way. To take all that he gave each to men changes of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. You know how much that is in today's money? Somewhere between $75,000 and $90,000. That's a pretty good salary. That's above your average. That's three times the average wage of Winchester. That's a lot of money he gave to Benjamin on top of the raiment. And he gave that to him above and beyond everybody else. Look in verse number uh, uh, 22. He says, uh, to all them, uh, I'm sorry, verse 23, and to his father he sent after this manner, ten asses laden with the good things of Egypt and ten she asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed, and said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. You know, a lot of Christians, what they do, they fall out by the way. They fall out by the way. You know why? Because they're not relying on the provisions that Joseph made for them. You know, the provision's been made for you, Christian. You know, Jesus Christ died on your behalf. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, he has made us, uh, Jesus Christ even said, he said, uh, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And listen, the provision Jesus Christ made for you is, is not falling short. <laughs> He's got more grace for you. 
He's got more than enough to give you to get where he sent you. And you know, the, the problem is, is in the, spiritually speaking, in the Christian life, Jesus Christ has made provision for you and your, and your path and your journey. And a lot of times we just say, well, that's no good, and I don't, that's not enough. I need something else. And you know what? You, you fall out by the way. Joseph's made provision for you, folks. Jesus Christ has, has made provision for you, and he's, uh, he's got uh, the, the way that he wants you to go found in his book and in his words, and it's sufficient, and it'll keep you going. You know, that provision is the Word of God. That provision is eternal life. Do you rely on it daily? You know what I, I tend to do, and maybe you're different than me, but uh, I tend to start when problems come, my initial response most of the time is, what can I do to fix it? And that's just my nature. I, you, uh, men probably are that way, more, uh, maybe more so or in a different way than women, but uh, if a problem comes, my first response is, what can I do to fix it? My secondary response later on after I figured out I'll just foul it up more is, Lord, you got to help me with this. And Joseph's made the provision for his brethren to get where they're going, and he gave them enough to make sure that they didn't fall out on their way if they would just rely on the provision he's given them. You know, God will give you what you need. He'll take care of you. You know, he'll, he'll provide for your needs. But you know what? The, the thing about... This passage of scripture amazed me is Joseph's refusal to get bitter about the situation allowed him to bless others and encourage them to keep going. You know who I draw a lot of encouragement from? People that have been down the road before me and that have faced things that I've faced or I'm facing and or they face worse. And I can go to that person and say, what do I do? You know what? We miss a great blessing in this day and age because Google has the answer for everything. <laughs> you know, Google it, YouTube. And you know what we need is we just need a reliance on old, old men of God that have been down that road and counsel with them. You know, we don't have any trouble counseling with Google because it takes no humility to counsel with Google. <laughs> it takes a little bit of humility to go to somebody that, has maybe been down your path that has walked with God and been down that road and they can maybe steer you. You know why? It's probably because you're afraid that you might get an answer you don't want. Google just tells you what you want to hear. A man of God might say, well, you need to correct this, you need to correct this. We don't like that. But you know what? Because Joseph went through what he went through later on, because he refused to get bitter, he was able to bless other people on their journey. You know what we need? We need more Christians that stick it out. Why? Because there's somebody coming behind you that needs your encouragement. We need to stick it out, folks. They, uh, you, you know, one time, uh, and I'll, I'll be done, uh, done soon, but one time I found out I was getting demoted at work. And um, when... Uh, my son was born, Micah was born, most of you know my wife, my wife is in the hospital for several days and my oldest, my firstborn was in the hospital for two weeks and uh, didn't know if he was going to live or die, I, he was getting better, my wife was in the hospital for about a week or so, uh, she got to come home and 
Uh, in that amount of time, I had a meeting with my bosses, and I had an uncomfortable meeting finding out that I was going to get demoted at work. And uh, that's a very humbling thing to have to go through. And all that time, I'm thinking, I got all these medical bills coming in and, you know, the stuff that goes through your mind, how are you going to take care of it? And I'm sitting there thinking I'm getting demoted and I've, I've got all these responsibilities coming. Lord, what am I going to do? Sh uh, shortly after that, a guy came and he took my job and I had to then work for him and, and try to, to do my part to make him look good. That's a humbling thing if you've ever had to do that. I've had to do that. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I got bitter. I got bitter. I thought, why do I got to work hard to make him look good? And he took my job. And the Lord dealt with me on that thing. And I said, and I drove home one night, and the Lord just said, just be a good testimony. And I just said, Lord, I, I want to be a good testimony. And I turned it over to the Lord. Fast, year, fast forward a year and a half or so. My boss, uh, he was a good, a nice, a good friend of mine. I, I began to like him after a while, and uh, we were. He, he professed to be a Christian, but he believed water baptism saves you. Uh, Rick, uh, you, most of you guys know Rick. And uh, one night after work, I, I was I kept witnessing to him the best way I knew how to get him to see that the God, that water baptism doesn't save you. And uh, and one night I, I I just think the Lord helped me out. I said, well, I'm going soul winning tomorrow, and he asked me questions about that, and I said, well, I could show you the verses I would show somebody if I were witnessing to them, right? So I'm trying to witness to my boss through this, just like regular conversation, and so I'm like, well, I would say this, or I would say, and I'm witnessing to him through it, <laughs> and through the through the process, it, we had a radio playing in the, in the office, and and uh, my boss, uh, and he, he uh, we almost got to the end of the, the, the gospel, and I was like, man, he's really listening. And, and he stops, he goes, stop for a second. And he gets up and go turns off the radio. And I'm like, my heart's beating fast, because I've been praying for this guy for a year to get saved, right? And I'm like, don't mess it up, don't mess it up. <laughs> Just let the Lord do the work. And he comes back and he sits down and he goes, okay, go ahead. And I finished the gospel, and my heart's racing a mile a minute. I'm trying not to lose, just mess it up. And he gets, and I, and, and I asked him, I said, well, do you want to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? And he said, yes. And we knelt, we, he, he bent over at his desk and prayed and looked up, and he had tears in his eyes. And, you know, he trusted Christ as a Savior. And I drove home that night, and I, the Lord... <laughs> The Lord just has his way of kicking you, and the Lord said, that's why I put you through that. If he hadn't came here and done this, and you wouldn't have got to witness to him. You know, I've got a, great, I've got a good friend today because of that. And you know, I, I, the Lord put me through that, and uh, to be honest, I wanted to get bitter. I did get bitter. I had to turn it over to God. You know what, I, and I'll, I'll finish with this, look in... Uh, Verse 22, it says, All them he gave each, to each man changes of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. You know that cup didn't weigh a whole lot that, that Joseph had put in his bag. They all carried the same weight out. But in Benjamin's bag, he took that cup and he just put that cup in that bag. Didn't weigh a whole lot, but was a little bit extra. And you know what? 
I, I think there's a neat truth that later on, because Benjamin carried a little bit heavier of a load, Joseph took note of that, and when he went home, he also carried a little bit more reward with him too. You know, in the Christian life, the things that you go through are not without purpose. You know, God just gives us opportunities to trust him. You know what? When you face Jesus Christ, he's going to come up, you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to have gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. And the Lord's keeping track of all the little extra weights that you and I carry. And you know what? One day, that payday's coming. That payday's coming. And Joseph's keeping track of who's carrying what. And in the Christian life, you carry a little bit extra load. It's not me versus you. It's you're going to stand before the Lord, and he's keeping tally with all that stuff. And one day he's going to say, because of that weight you carried, you get to get this reward, an extra year wage, some seventy-five dollars to $90,000 extra that he gave to Benjamin just because of a little weight that he carried for a short period of time. You know, the Lord's keeping track of what you're going through. How are you handling it? When troubles come your way, how do you handle it? You're going to just get bitter and allow it to make you worse and get you in trouble with the Lord and get out of fellowship with him and let the devil come in and just steal your rewards? Or are you going to just carry that weight and turn it over to the Lord one day and the Lord says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you know what he'll do is he'll take that little weight that you carry today and he'll reward you for that little weight. It may not feel like a little bit of weight, just the same as when Benjamin was the one that was found guilty at the time that he was the one that had carried that, uh, had the cup in his bag when all the eyes were on Benjamin, knowing that Joseph was the second person in power and it could have cost him his life. No doubt at that time it didn't feel like just a little weight. But later on when he went home, he also had a little bit more reward in that bag going with him. Where are you at, Christian? Let us stand.